You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Okay, everybody, it's a new week, it's a new month, and it's a new edition of Global Trade This Week. I am your co-host, Doug Draper, and on the other side of the coast is my good friend, Mr. Pete Mento. Peter, Monday, weekend, what's going on? How you doing? I'm all right, buddy. Um, first of all, Doug, I think we need to address what's going on with your face. <laughs> Uh, Do it. You know, I, I brought it up. I brought it up before we started today. It looks like you're, it looks like you're growing a beard, bud. Yeah. That's uh, the weekend edition, right? So um, I will, um, I'll take it down next couple of days. But uh, yeah, if Pete, if I want to, I can take care of it. I, I can get it done. A little gray around here, which I don't want to admit, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you noticing. Well, I, I think, you know, Keenan has what can only be, I mean, it looks like he's like a badger's been growing on his face. Like there's, yeah. there's something really amiss with that facial growth he's got going on. And, uh, you yeah. know, I have a beard, very fetching, very masculine look. I don't see yeah. why you can't go full mountain man, Doug. I think it would look great on you. I think you would look very yeah. handsome with a beard. Not that you well, don't look handsome no. now. You're a very handsome man, Doug. But I think a beer to be good for you. Yeah. Well, how about this? I'll give it a whirl for next uh, for next week's edition. Yours is very Sean Connery esque. I will admit. Mm. Yeah, Sean Connery. Yeah. Yes. I I do love Sean Connery. Um, very yeah. Much. Very much. See. Yeah. Now you're in um, a great mood. Now you're in a great mood to get the show kicked off. Oh no, no, Doug. I'm not in a great mood. No, no. <laughs> I. Um, I work in e-commerce and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a great mood. I'm getting ready for Christmas. So yeah, my well, life is crap. As, uh, yeah. Well, it's going to be, um, more the same maybe in this, in this industry. So how about this? We got to remind our audience cap logistics pushes the buttons, turns the levers to make this show possible. So we want to thank them. Uh, caplogistics.com. Check them out. Yeah. And Pete, with that, yeah. fire away, my friend. What you got? You're all fired up. Yeah. So uh, let, oh. let's have it. Oh, Doug. So we live in a time when, you know, if you don't like something, you can just rename it. You, if you, if you, if you don't like, uh, if you don't agree with something, you can simply say that it's just not what it is anymore. You know, um, I, I don't, I don't want to get too politically incorrect here, but in 2022. If you don't agree with the basic state of something, you can generally find someone to tell you that it's okay and that you don't have to accept it. Your reality is of your own making. And I personally get a kick out of this because I, Doug, am a man of science. I'm an economist, which of all the social sciences is without question the weakest on the social, on the science and probably the strongest on the social. It is it is trash science. We live in a in a world where most economists can't do math. So that should give you some indication of just how horrifically pointless the entire idea of economics is. And last week we talked about how all these interesting pieces of economic data were coming in, you know. We had we had information about uh what was going on with the GDP as we expected, we rolled back 
We had information coming in about unemployment. We had information coming in about inflation. We had all kinds of amazing information coming in. And if you have, generally speaking, historically speaking, Doug, two consecutive quarters of backward GDP, so two consecutive quarters of not just no growth, but losses in GDP, are considered to be the R word. Recession. Dun, dun, dun. But because we no longer believe in anything anymore, up is down, down is up, black is white, cats are dogs, dogs are cats. If you can find someone, anyone, to agree with your opinion, it's no longer a recession. Now, you have everyone telling you that because jobs are plentiful and you know, there are people working everywhere. There's nothing to worry about. There is no recession. Well, I'm here to tell you, there is a group that historically has been responsible for determining whether or not we have a recession. They're called the National Bureau of Economic Research. They are an independent group of economists. Um, there's a crap ton of people actually in the NBER. Uh, anyone who has done important fiscal research in economics can be asked to join. But there's an independent group of eight economists that do the actual analysis to determine whether or not an economy is in a recession. Here's the thing, though. It takes them a long time to decide whether or not we're in a recession because they go through all the numbers. So what they've said in the past is uh, the way we usually do it is we look at whether or not there are two consecutive quarters without growth. And that's a recession. But now, these eight independent economists are under pressure to say that that's not the case anymore. And that because of where we are, I mean, come on, let's face it, no recession. And that's ridiculous. We are in the midst of a recession. We have said on this show many times, I believe I said it about a quarter of a ago that we probably already were in one. And there's a very good chance that by the end of next quarter, we'll be out of it. Not saying that we're in a recession is absolute gobbledygook, hogwash, horse pucky. We are human beings. We are sentient beings. And we should be able to not only understand the world around us, science, but accept the world around us. We call that being adults. And then work to change the world around us. We call that being better people. And if you can't accept simple facts that have been in play forever, and you have to change all of the narratives and change all the definitions, well, that's just childish behavior. And I'm a little angry about it, Doug. Mm. A little bit angry about it. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. Um... I think Ferris Bueller kind of said it best, that world moves pretty fast, and if you don't look around, you're going to miss it. And that comment is going to lead into to my first topic, but, but first, everything moves so damn fast now, and I love the fact that you said by the end of next quarter, maybe by the end of the, of the year, we're going to be pivoting into something totally different. Things just move quick. I don't know if it's the drive-by media that helps do it. I don't know if it's consumer buying habits, a combination of both. But the fact that economists take time in an old school manner 
to tell us what's already transpired two or three months ago. I mean, that, that's, uh, that worked back in the 70s and 80s, I guess. But I think the key point that I take away from your comments, Pete, is things move so fast now that applying the same rules and the same philosophies to what we're in now, the here and the now, uh, is forever changing and doesn't work anymore. So, um, yeah, I think we're in a recession. I think it's kind of unique recession because of all the peripherals that you just described that kind of confuse the definition. Um, and we're going to fast forward and this thing's going to be, uh, we're going to be through it pretty damn quick. I don't know if it's a, a, a quarter or not, but I'll trust your judgment on that. It's going to happen quick. Doug, I don't think we're in a recession. I know we are because we are in the classical definition of what one is. So we can give it a brand new name. We can call it the, the, you know, ugly, ugly, abracadabra recession if we want, but this is a recession. So we can call whatever the heck else we want. If it makes us feel better. We live in a world where if we don't like the facts, we'll find someone else to tell us it's all okay. One of the main problems with this business environment is that if you don't like the outcome and you don't like what's being said to you, you can find someone else to tell you that. Math is math, baby. And this math points to the fact that we are in the shitter. Now, we're not going to be here for very long, but we're there. And what comes out of this is going to be just as broken as what we're in now. That's a topic for another show. What you mm -hmm. got for us, Doug? Nice. Well, this one goes along with what I just said about things moving quickly. And um, basically, I was trying to think of a fun, catchy title on this one. And I came up with, hello, have we met before? Question mark. And I'm like, you know what? The bottom line is that returns management and excess inventory is probably the toughest job we have nowadays in, in the supply chain. There's just crap everywhere. It's in warehouses. It's on boats. It's in transit. It's rolling warehouses. And there's a whole bunch of stuff, as you just alluded to, Pete. There's a whole thing called fourth quarter holiday season where all the styles trend uh, change, the seasons change, and we got to get that stuff out. And um, not only the challenge here, Pete, is, yes, it's in the warehouse. Yes, we sell it. But what's transpired, especially during COVID, is everybody's like, nah, I don't like it. I don't like the aqua blue. I want the, the, the navy blue. And so there's returns coming back into the system as well. So it's clogged. A lot of returns coming back in. So if you're the individual having to manage that within your organization, and I know right now you're thinking of three or four names at your company that are having to do that. Um, it, it is, it, it's catastrophic, maybe the wrong word, but here's the bottom line with things moving fast, Pete. 2021 was all about goods. We talk about goods and services, stuff. People wanted to buy things because they're in their house. And as we spoke about, 2022 is all about services and experiences. Well, the forecasters were like, hey, our clients are buying all this stuff and it's 2021 and we need to forecast for 2022. So buy, 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 buy. Let's double down. People are going to want more stuff. Well, stuff just doesn't appear and stuff has to go to the supply chain, which is what we talk about all the time and it's delayed. And the consumer buying habits has changed dramatically from goods now to services and experiences. And that is a fundamental reason why there's so much stuff, and I could use a different term, um, that's in the midst of our supply chain. Um, people's expectation is if I don't like it and I don't care where I bought it, how I bought it, or how it got delivered to me, I have the right to return it. And so the returns are in the system, the backlog is in the system, and um, it, it, it's uh, it's crazy. 
So Pete, one thing I'm gonna to try to do more and more is we always hype about a forward lean in our discussions. Like, hey, we can talk about what happened, which is kind of what I just did, at least brought some light to where we are. But I think what's gonna transpire and we're gonna see is that there's gonna be more and more tech advances with getting visibility on returns specifically. Where is it? How can I divert it? How can I get it out of this craziness that's coming at me as far as more goods for fourth quarter? And the other thing that I spoke about and was a prediction back um, for 2022 is keep things local, right? Don't let it leave the market once it's there. Resell it, repurpose it, get rid of it in some form or fashion. But to bring it back through the traditional supply chain of how it got there is uh, the infrastructure is not there to handle it. So I think you're going to see a lot of companies um, enlisting local, maybe even say side hustles, people that want to get a little extra money, you're going to see liquidators coming through the woodwork. Because if I'm uh, a retailer and I have millions of things, I got uh, a couple hundred thousand toasters and microwaves, I got to get the hell out of here because I have holiday stuff coming in. I'm going to sign one PO, send it to a liquidator. So there's going to be tech around it to get visibility. Liquidators are going to crush it. So if you're looking for some investment strategies, the dollar stores uh, and the discount stores, I think are gonna be very successful in the upcoming years. And, um, and that's it. So returns are just jamming more stuff up and the consumer buying habits pivoted so quickly, like you made mention too on the, the, uh, the economic uh, uh, topic. Uh, we're, we're still in a hurt, my friend, we're still in a hurt. Well, first of all, Doug, on the topic of toasters, if anybody needs a toaster, www.wayfair.com. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic selection of every conceivable type of, of small appliances for home at incredible prices and amazing delivery. Uh, but, uh, you know, on a side note, Doug, the, um, the, true, the true stumbling block of e-commerce right now is managing the volume of returns and so much time and effort is being put into overcoming this. I mean, the getting stuff to people was, was, was a Herculean task and that that's how we build people. Right. And that's, that's how the money comes in the door. So boy, you want to talk about a motivation, right? <laughs> you, you want to get paid. You come up with some smart ways to get it there, but then the customer satisfaction is how you keep them coming back over and over. So trying to come up with smart ways to say to them, if it didn't fit or it didn't work, or if it just wasn't for you, quick and easy returns. And so much money, so much consulting effort, so much time is being spent on trying to overcome this problem. And I don't know if anything has stuck, man. I, I love what Amazon has done as a guy who probably goes to Whole Foods a little more than I probably should, you know, um, I love going to Whole Foods and picking up stuff there, but it's also very convenient when I have to do an Amazon return that I just show up with my stuff at Amazon. They, you know, click the URL code on my phone and I'm done. They just say, thanks a lot. They, they put it in a plastic package. They put a sticker on it and I'm done. And then I probably spend 10 times whatever my return is on fresh fruits and vegetables and some salmon before I leave. But, you know, they really get me when I walk in there, you know. But that's one way that I feel the, the number of times I've remarked, oh, wow, that was easy. Like I felt, I felt happy as a consumer. 
But when I have to do something with Nike, as an example, you know, I'm a sneakerhead. I've talked a lot about that. And when I get a pair of sneakers and I have to return them, it's not like it's that difficult for me, Doug, to print out the piece of paper or to show up with my phone at the UPS store and say, I have shoes I have to send back in the exact same package with a new piece of tape. But man, you'd think that I was rebuilding the Manhattan Project. I complained so much. Because compared to Amazon, it is a pain in the ass. But compared mm-hmm. to 10 years ago, that's nothing. It's nothing. And the number of times that I bought something online and the, the Chinese retailer has said, just keep it. And what do you say? You know, we give you 30% off something if you buy it. 50% off. You know, we'll give you $10 in credit on something you bought that was 20 bucks if you use it in the next mm-hmm. 24 hours. And you're like, Wow. I wasn't happy with this piece of crap you sent me. Maybe I'll be happy if I buy another piece of crap and I have $10 off of it, but it works. So Doug, you, you could not, you could not be more correct in that this is the, this is the, the real sort of Rosetta Stone problem that is facing e-commerce right now. I don't think that anybody has really figured it out yet, but it is ripe for experimentation and we should be encouraging it. We should be encouraging it on every level, trying things out, and at least putting our best efforts into it and investing in better ideas. Yeah, agreed. Well, thanks for that vote of confidence, my friend. That is uh, a perfect segue into uh, halftime. Halftime. to talk about today. You got it. You, you want to go first? Halftime. Sure. Halftime brought to you by our friends at CapTime. Uh, Cap, Cap Logistics. Thank you, Cap Logistics, for allowing us to come here every week and probably embarrass ourselves in your good name with our content that uh, that our good friends uh, at Cap Logistics bring to you every week. Cap Logistics is a wonderful company. If you are in the um, market for help getting your goods across borders, breaking into uh, foreign markets, and trying to find ways to have a better, more secure, more efficient supply chain, do reach out to Cap Logistics at www.caplogistics.com. Doug, I hate summer. I've put so much thought into this about why June, July, and August, I get so cranky. I really don't care for summer. And there's a lot of reasons for it. First of all, first of all, I don't really like hot weather. I can deal with it. You know, I'm a Louisiana lover. I'm from Texas. I mean, I can deal with it. But if you want me to walk around outside where it's hot, hard pass. So, you know, that's like the first part of it. Second of all, everyone takes off all this time. It's like, oh, the kids are out of school. So if you want to get any business done, too bad. Um, no, no, I, I don't get that. I don't get why half of our country has to take off half of this particular season. And then in Europe, it's even worse. You know, there are entire segments of like France, as an example, who take the entire month of August off. I don't mean parts of August, Doug. I mean the first through the end of the month, no work. They take the whole month off. So good luck trying to get stuff in our business done, you know, and I get it. Self-care, it's 2022, give it up, whatever, right? I don't like outdoor activities as much as I used to. I like to play sports. I'm not Keenan, you know, munching on Gorp, running up a hill in my tech boots, you know, soaking up sun rays, playing outdoor disc golf or whatever. I mean, come on, man. Read a book, you know, get, get, get inside. Air conditioning is one of the greatest inventions in the history of mankind. Have it for a reason. Don't 
like summer, fall, fantastic, fall, wonderful, right kind of weather for a powerfully built man. Winter, don't like the snow, do like the season. And spring, wonderful, love it. I like a little moisture in the air. Doesn't get above, let's say, 75. You know, sun's not all the time. I like binge watching television while it's dark out. Sun shouldn't be up at 830 at night. That's wrong. So, Doug, I hate summer. I absolutely hate it. And I think I need to move someplace where it's not so pronounced of a season. Wow, that is uh, passionate. And I wasn't sure that right there, my friend, is uh, get off my yard guy, right? Oh, it, uh, I'm totally it, get off my lawn. I am. Yeah. My birthday was last week, and I spent most of my birthday reminding people that I'm an old crank. And I've been an old crank since I was 30, and that was 20 yeah. years ago. So, yeah, like I am, I'm a cranky old man, Doug. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love all the seasons. Probably my – anyway, we're can. not going to go into a, a season discovery, of but uh, – Of course of you course. do, Doug. I'm sure, I'm sure you've got like your – Magnum PI short shorts that you wear around while you're mowing the lawn, whistling yourself with your headphones in, listening to AM radio, yep. baseball. It's like, oh, summer's so fantastic. Kick rocks, dude. Yep. Summer sucks. I was I was doing jumps off the diving board yesterday with my with my son, and I'm gonna. You have to tell me, Pete, if this is a, a made up story right here or the truth. I decided to do the jumps in in a black speedo that I used to wear in high school when I was a swimmer. True or false? Well, you were a swimmer. I'm going to go true. I'm going to say true. And I bet they probably still fit. <laughs> that statement is false. But um, uh, yeah, but I was on the diving board with my son doing flip. I can still do a one and a half without looking too stupid. So anyway, I love summer. I love spring, fall and winter. They all have their pros. I love it. <sighs> there is but one season and it is fall. That's when football starts. Yeah. That that is it, it is it is the perfect season. I am a New Englander, and that is the perfect season. It's before the snow yeah. starts and everything is miserable. So we have Thanksgiving. Doug, you don't know what you're talking about. You've been around those hippies too much. You need to get back to the Midwest, my friend. No, we have to do it. All right, this one's kind of cool. Some of the folks out there may have heard about this because uh, it popped up like in the last 24 hours. But I'm talking about famous birthdays, and uh, this one's a milestone, and I'll have to set the stage here. But George Jetson' mm -hmm. birthday yes. was yesterday on July 31st of 2022. Now, how do I know that? Is the Jetson uh, uh, show, and for those of you that may not know, it's um, a middle age, uh, or excuse me, a middle class family. You got uh, four kids or two kids. Um, I think they were Elroy and Judy. They live in a space town called Orbit James City. That's right. You know, everybody knows song. Uh, I didn't know it was called Orbit City. That was new to me. But it debuted in 1962, and it was set 100 years in the future. So that means it was 2062. And there was a reference when the show started that George was 40 years old when the show started. So you take... 2062 subtract 40 it's 2022 not really sure where july 31st came from but george jetson this is his year of birth um wow and so that's yeah number one that that's pretty cool um the other thing that was that, that led me to this one is okay how many predictions and they technologies yeah. did, did they highlight in 1962 for their two or three four episodes actually have come true um 
this far down the road. <clears throat> so one of which, so there's a couple of them. I'm going to give you a couple of truisms and a couple that didn't happen. So video communication, if you remember, there was a lot of, uh, during the show, they'd stop and they'd have a video conference or something of that nature. So predictions of video communication technology, I'd say that's happened. That was uh, a prediction that came through. Smart homes. <clears throat> I know they had Rosie, the yeah. maid, which she was pretty kick-ass, loved her favorite character in there because she could make sidebar commentary on all the characters and play kind of the straight man and move on and you could laugh at her at her commentary. But smart homes, zipping by and turning on lights and starting things and and uh, all the smart technology that we've uh, developed really uh, probably in the last five years, uh, that's all, all comes to fruition. Industry automation, um, Mr. Sprocket, Spacely Sprocket. Spacely Spacely. Yeah. yeah, you know, pretty sweet automation there in his factory. And I'd say, yeah, there's some pretty sweet automation that we have. So I'll check that one. Service and personal automation, i.e. robots. Um, uh, Rosie, uh, specifically, not quite there yet, right? We got the Roomba that zips around, and I'm sure there's some MIT robots that have gone around and talk about how they can pick up a cup of coffee in the corner of your room or something. But for the most part, personal robotics and personal automation isn't quite there yet. But you know what? I'll give those uh, creators and the writers of... Uh, the Jetsons, a little little kudos because a lot of the stuff they spoke about has come true. I love it. So there's my halftime. Happy birthday, George Jetson. Flying cars. No flying Not cars. Quite. You know what there was a lot of in the Jetsons, Doug? What's that? Drones. A lot of drones, buddy. <laughs> I knew it. There are. I have to admit, you could define a flying car as, as a drone. But anyway. A lot we, of drones, pal. A lot of drones. Yeah. I'm going to yep. move on from that one. So yeah. who's, uh, who's next? Yeah, yeah, I'm up next. Do it. So, uh, you know, the second one's interesting. Will there be a peak? So we had heard about this double peak, you know, peak, peak, where back to school was going to be mixed up with Christmas all at the same time. And the, uh, the you know, the COVID mix up out of China. Is there going to be a peak season? I don't know. There's a lot of freight news that came out this week, a lot of data that's coming in from the folks who matter, the folks that we watch, that's showing a pretty steady volume of ocean freight. So steady, not a massive increase, but not a decrease either, that maybe we're at a plateau. So rather than a peak, we sort of hit maximum velocity. And this is where it's going to be through Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, that this is what it's going to be, man. Um, it's some ways that you can see this in the retail environment. Many of the large retailers have already brought in back to school. Not only have they brought it in, but they have it displayed. I was at Target this weekend and uh, full display, ready to rock and roll. Back to school is there. Same thing at Staples, Home Depot, at Home Depot, Office Depot. These are all ready to rock and roll. Walmart as well. If you go on any of the um, arrival pages, home pages for the large um, big box retailers, already starting to go for back to school. A big part of that, of course, are the liquidations that you were talking about. This early movement that we're seeing to try to push as much inventory as possible, much of it being branded as back to school sales, although it has nothing to do with going back to school. I don't know what flat screen TVs have to do with going back to school. I wish my parents would have bought me a television when I was going back to school, but the way they're marketing it is, kids are going off to college. 
might want to get them that 60 inch flat screen to go in their dorm room. Um, and then you look at, you know, my industry, uh, you have a lot of people who are putting in the time and the effort for the home goods on the back to school dorm rooms as well, whether it's Amazon, us, Walmart, Target, seeing a lot of that in, in ads as well as home and retail. I think what we're going to see a lot of pal is this liquidation mentality that's going to come through the Christmas season. You're going to see the Black Friday, followed by Black Saturday, followed by Black Sunday, followed by Cyber Monday, Black Monday, Cyber Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You are going to see a Christmas of, oh my God, sales, followed by a you know, January 1st, just pure liquidation of stuff going all the way through President's Week, where people are going to just say, it's got to fly out of here. It's got to go. Everything has to go. Because that is when the supply chain is finally going to catch up. We're going to see where we are as far as volume goes, the blank sailings, what's being taken in and out of inventory for vessels. And we're probably going to start to slowly get back to that normal. And I'm telling you, buddy, I think there isn't going to be a peak. I think we're at the plateau. We're going to start backing down from that plateau finally at some point mid-March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100% agree, especially with the fire sales are going to occur at the first of the year, right? There, there, there's going to be executives all over the country saying, we've had this crap on our books for the last six months and we got to get it off. It's too expensive to house it, too expensive to ship it, get rid of it now. So I think that there'll be some massive sales, like you said, pre-Christmas, but I think January is going to crush it. There's going to be multiple, yeah. multiple sales, Amazon will probably create something and spin it. Everybody else will follow. But uh, I think it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's, um, you talk about buyer and seller markets, definitely a buyer market in in goods as it comes up to the consumer. It, it Doug, you G know what we're already hearing about, buddy? We're already hearing about a second prime day. Yeah. You know, so think about that. And then second of all, when you think about this massive liquidation of inventory, I think that's good for the integrators, for the DHLs, the UPSs, and FedExs of the world who are ultimately going to end up moving this stuff to consumers. I think that if I were looking at a stock to maybe consider, I'm not so sure about going along on freight forwarding stocks or ocean carrier stocks, but these integrators, someone has to move this liquidated merchandise to the end consumer in e-commerce. It's going to be FedEx, UPS, and the U.S. Postal Service. And I know how much you hate the U.S. Postal Service. So, uh, you know, FedEx and UPS, I think there's going to be an opportunity there for just continued financial opportunity for those companies. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, man, I'm going to wind us down with something we spoke about. That's why I can't remember last week or the, or, or the week before, but the whole AB5, Assembly Bill 5 out in California, um, everybody's probably heard about it that's in this industry, but it restricts businesses from classifying workers as you know independent contractors rather than employees. So I always talk about, or have talked about, not always, drive-by media, you know, sound bites or whatever, but um, we're going to start really seeing the ripple effects of what this means to us as a consumer uh, over the next uh, several, I was going to say months, Pete, but I think several weeks we're going to see it uh, just because things move so quickly. And I say that because there's two very large carriers out there that have made a statement on how they're going to manage this in completely opposite different directions. So two approaches, either get on board or get out of it. So who's getting out of it? Landstar. Right. If you're familiar with Landstar, and I mean by getting out of it, they've encouraged 
uh, all of their owner operators. It's a heavily owner operated type of, uh, of network at Landstar. Get out of California. If you still wanna play ball with us and have a, a, a stronghold in what you're doing on behalf of Landstar, get out of California. And JB Hunt, completely the opposite, saying, hey, we're cool with it. We've talked about it. We've known this is coming down the road. And um, we've already flipped most of our uh, important lanes and, and everybody over to um, company drivers. So completely different approaches to how to handle it. And I think we'll continue to see that moving forward. Um, what that means, Pete, this is the most important thing, is that we've talked about the big and the small, the large asset-based carriers are going to be the winners in this because they can afford to take on all the salary, uh, equipment, and absorb um, the independents that they've been working with. The smaller companies, they're the ones that are going to lose out. And what that means is there's going to be a lot of customers, or excuse me, a lot of carriers <clears throat> that are just going to eject. We have an aging workforce. They've weathered the storm. These truckers have weathered the storm with so many changes, so many regulations, so much insurance, so much, so much, so much burden to have their independent business. And we've talked about the, the death of the modern day cowboy, which is the independent trucker. This is just another nail in the coffin that's gonna push more of these people out of the market. Some of these guys do not wanna go work for the man. They're not gonna wanna be company drivers. They're at the stage where, you know what? I'm gonna sell my assets, I'm gonna get the hell out of here and I'm gonna to move to a Southern state and enjoy the end of my life and, and my years. So I think that's gonna be the biggest thing. We're gonna see some capacity crunches because of it. And I think the bigger companies are gonna get bigger and stronger and be able to weather the storm, but it ain't over. I'm sure we're gonna talk about this again in the future, but you're gonna see two divergent topics or, or, or strategies, I should say, on how to deal with this. Uh, and it's gonna be an interesting ride over the next, uh, you know, uh, five to six months, I will say. Yeah, man, I, I was really hoping to find a stat before we started talking today and I didn't on how many of these independent operators had worked for larger companies before becoming independent operators, larger firms. Um, mm -hmm. And I can only speak anecdotally, and I'm sure you can too, of how many owner operators I've spoken to who got into the business as an owner operator, as an independent contractor, because they didn't want to work for a big company. And that operating model of being my own boss, operating my own machinery, kind of making my own schedule, that is, that is the reason, the core reason that they operate this way. They want to have sovereignty over their own schedule. They want to make their own decisions about who they do and don't haul for. They don't want to be told to work for this customer or this customer because, frankly, they don't like them. They don't like that particular route. And the idea of having to give that up is, is sort of you know, the exact opposite of why they live their lives the way that they do. And the idea of having to go back into that line of business that way makes their blood boil, makes their skin crawl. So you're going to have uh, a brain drain, I guess, what would you call it, driver drain in, in that area, which is going to be good for the bigger companies, as you pointed out. It's going to make their services more expensive. It's going to make it even more scarce. But ultimately, it's going to be very, very bad for infrastructure because it's just going to create more congestion and it's going to make it harder for us to get that stuff out of there. It's going to put more pressure on the rail, which we've already got enough problems with rail. And ultimately, it's only going to create more headaches for people. So it's, it's just one of these, you know, the best of intentions moments again. 
the road mm-hmm. to hell is paved with good intentions. It, they, they tried to come up with a way to bring some relief in this contractor uh, gig economy mentality. But in the end, what it may have done is it may have cataclysmic economic uh, impacts on the overall California economy and our ability to trade with the West, uh, with the East, excuse me. So, you know, Doug, I think you're right. We're not done talking about this. And I think that while all this was going on, someone forgot to talk to the drivers. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Anyway, yeah. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week for Global Trade This Week, brought to you by our great friends at Cap Logistics. Again, if you have any international, domestic, uh, logistics needs, please do look them up on the web to learn more at caplogistics.com. Uh, they've been wonderful at allowing us to come on here every week and talk about what is not happening with global trade, but we believe is going to happen with global trade. Uh, Doug and I couldn't be here every week if it weren't for their uh, continued financial support. I want to thank Keenan for being back at the booth and keeping his hair and beard out of the way of the buttons and the dials so that we can continue to keep our content flowing. Doug, as always, couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't want to anyway. Good luck with that beard. Thank you, sir. We'll see you next week. All right. See you, Pete. See you, Pete. Bye.